Following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. This is Minerva Sweeney Wren, creator and performer of McGillicuddy and Murder's Pawn Shop, which is set in 1921. Maud, the main character and narrator, gets a diary and begins to write in it. The only problem is, her life is boring. She types all day until her fingers are sore, and then comes home, sleeps, and does it all over again. She wishes her life was an adventure, and it isn't. That is, until one day, when she discovers an unusual pawn shop. She finds a tiny fragment of china with nothing on it but a bright blue eye. Maud takes the china eye home with her, little realizing that she's cursed herself straight into a brand new life. This is Season 2, Episode 1. Thank you for listening. The Gillicuddy and Murder's Pawn Shop, Season 2, Episode 1. Here we are again. October 1st, 1921. Well, it's more comfortable than you might think to be sitting in a cage. Not much has happened since I last wrote a diary. I'm convinced that none of the night enthusiasts can cook. The food is appalling. When last I wrote to you, I felt that things had ended that I'd come to the end of an era. I still feel that. It's only a day later, but from here forward, I'm in Act Two of my journey as a magic unusual. Things are much the same as the last time I wrote. The night enthusiast's cave is chilly. I can see the purple light of the gazebo glowing, spectral in the darkness. During the day, night enthusiasts come and go. They hand me abysmal porridge. At night, everything is so quiet I can hear myself think. I think I can hear the stones thinking, too. The cage they left me in. The giant bird cage, you remember. The one big enough to fit an ostrich? Well, it wasn't very comfortable at first, but then I learned I could stick my legs out through the bars, so I'm sitting like Miss Muffet having a pout, my legs stretched out in front of me. I fell asleep last night sitting up, and that worked all right, except my toes got cold. Things have been bearable with the night enthusiasts so far for the most part. They ignore me, all but for the small woman, the ringleader. She always passes me with a superior expression that makes me want to bash her nose in. They're just waiting for me to get sick of being a pretty Polly. Today, they sent in reinforcements, and I'm rather steamed about it, hence the diary entry. The reinforcements were Ariana. Of course they were. I bristled at the sight of her, then glared as she sat down opposite me. She had the nerve to sit down cross-legged, relaxed, like we were twelve-year-olds on a picnic. Well, Ariana said, here we are again. I beg your pardon, I said. Speaking of Miss Muffet having a pout. You and me, she said, together. I rolled my eyes. Ariana, if you think you can sit down here and act all sweet and convince me that you and I are still friends, we are still friends. No, we're not. Yes, we are. She exhaled. Maud, I'm your friend. I've always been your friend. I know that friends don't lie. I know that friends don't betray each other. 
but I really and truly became your friend, and think about it from my perspective. You aren't a part of my family yet. My wonderful family that makes so much sense, that changes the world in their own magical, marvelous way. I want you to become a night enthusiast. Of course I do. Why wouldn't I? And I know that the deception wasn't fair to you, and I didn't do it to hurt you. I did it because I want you here, on my side, where things make sense. Nice try, I said. What do you mean, nice try? I'm pouring my heart out over here. Actions speak louder than words, I said. I'd prefer a nice rescue attempt instead of some self-flattering preaching. Ariana growled at me, then sulked. Maud. No. With a sigh, she got up. Honestly, the nerve of that woman. I think you can never get mad at strangers, not really, the way you can get mad at people you love. When the man sitting next to you on the trolley is munching a bag of peanuts, you're annoyed. But you excuse him for his bad manners because, ultimately, he's not your problem. You'll never see him again in another ten minutes. But when your brother or sister or spouse is sitting right next to you and munching a bag of peanuts in your ear, you want to strangle them sometimes. It's cause for second-degree murder. Or is that first degree? Oh, anyway, you feel like you have cause for some degree of murder. It's so much worse when someone you love is a pain. Or a Judas. I glared at Ariana, feeling lonely in the pit of my stomach. I wished, for an instant, that I didn't feel so frightfully alone in this cave. Or in the whole world. I don't have Mr. McGillicuddy, not really. He did his best for me, and now I'm on my own. I didn't run away, far, far away, when he told me to. So my being a prisoner of the night enthusiasts is on my own head. I don't have Noble James, because by this time, I'm quite sure Noble James is dead. I just have Ariana, and she's more of an enemy than a friend. Well, she said, if you change your mind, I'm here if you want to talk. We glowered at each other, like two sisters having a feud. Ariana left. I got you out, diary, to vent. Now that I've finished griping about Ariana... The cave is strangely silent. Of course, caves are always silent in their own way, but this silence feels different. It's like the darkness is holding its breath. I wish I could get out of this cage. The whole situation is sort of giving me the creeps. Pretty soon, I'm going to grow a long white beard, and then my bones will turn to dust. Before that, I should probably try to escape. I should also try to escape before whatever's lurking in this darkness descends and gobbles me up. Speaking of the darkness gobbling me up, I think I just heard something. It's probably just my imagination. That's the problem with being locked in a giant cage. There's not much to do, except let your imagination run rampant. There. No, I definitely heard something. Diary? I have the shivers. There. Just now. I saw something. I should probably stop writing, but I think if I let go of your pages, I'll go mad with fright. This way, at least I can feel like a brave reporter or explorer or something. Writing down what I see, as it happens. What am I looking at, exactly? It's hard to tell, in the darkness. There's a shape moving, in the shadows. It's either a person bent over, or a very, very large rat. My question is, why are they hiding? The person. Or the very large rat. A night enthusiast would stride proudly through the cave. Anyone who was here to rescue me would have said hello by now. This person, or very large rat, seems to be hiding from me. They don't want to be found at all. 
Diary, is it necessary to say that by now I've tucked my legs safely back inside the cage, safe from nibbling rat teeth? Speaking of rat, this intruder is definitely human. I can see a head. Oh my giddy aunt, they're getting close. I can almost... I apologize for that dreadful smear of ink, diary. The fact is, I broke off writing because I screamed. It's not a rat. In the darkness, as I stared into the misty half-light, a head reared itself and looked at me. It wasn't a human head. Oh, no. It was half a human face and half a wooden one. A furry puppet eye rolled and blinked at me. After I finished screaming, I sucked in a breath. Wrath, I said. Oh, he said. He shuffled closer, still on his hands and knees. It's you. I didn't know what you were. I thought maybe you were a guard dog. No, I said, it's me. Wrath crawled over and crouched outside my cage, grinning. The night enthusiasts are awful, aren't they? Yes, I said. They have gone horribly wrong in the head, Wrath said. They see puppets everywhere. That's why I've come here. You're here because they see puppets, I said. I'm here to kill, Wrath said. To kill and kill and kill. Oh, I said. I don't like the night enthusiasts much. In fact, I hate the night enthusiasts. But with Wrath's breath smelling like old cheese right in front of me, I felt like I had a duty to humanity to sound some kind of alarm. How did you get in here? I asked suddenly. If he could sneak in undetected, maybe I could sneak out. It was, of course, impossible for me to teleport. Don't think I didn't try that in my first ten seconds of being in this cage. I'm not sure what kind of magic binds me inside the cave, but I can't get out through teleportation. I came in with powers and trinkets, and I'm here to steal their powers and trinkets, Wrath said, and then I'm going to kill every single one of them. You're here to kill the night enthusiasts, I said. The subtext of that was, you're not planning on killing me, are you? I'm here to kill the night enthusiasts, Wrath said, starting with Ariana. We hope you've enjoyed Season 2, Episode 1, Here We Are Again, of McGillicuddy and Murder's Pawn Shop. McGillicuddy and Murder's Pawn Shop is written and performed by Minerva Sweeney Wren, all rights reserved. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider taking a moment to share it with your friends. A social media share, Facebook tag, or in-person recommendation do more to market this audio drama than anything Minerva Sweeney Wren can do on her own. She relies on you. Visit MinervaSweeneyWren.com to share the story with other people in need of an adventure. The Gillicuddy and Murder's Pawn Shop will continue with Season 2, Episode 2. Murder, Murder, Everywhere. <laughs>